Head to netsuite.com slash briefing now for their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Hello, everyone. I'm Joan Biskupic, CNN legal analyst and Supreme Court biographer, in for David Chalian. This is the CNN Political Briefing. It's Wednesday, November 24th. We're going to be talking about the Supreme Court because the nation's highest court is smack in the middle of politics today. We are the Polish generation! And we will abolish abortion! Abortion is? Abortion is? The nation is divided over a court issue that's been front and center in elections for about 50 years, and that is the right to abortion. We'll explore two laws from Texas and Mississippi that are forcing the court to address abortion rights yet again. How the court rules in upcoming weeks and months could play into the 2022 midterm election. To understand where we are now with the Supreme Court and abortion, we need some context about where the Supreme Court has been. Roe v. Wade is the case that started it all. The justices in 1973 ruled by a 7-2 vote that a state could not prohibit a woman from deciding to end a pregnancy before viability. That's the point at which a fetus can survive outside the womb. That's now estimated at 22 to 24 weeks of pregnancy. Now, viability is a term you're going to hear a lot of at this episode because that cutoff line was crucial to the Roe decision and is at stake in the new controversy at the Supreme Court. The court in 1973 grounded the right to end a pregnancy in the 14th Amendment's due process guarantee of personal liberty. What's interesting to note here, especially on a political podcast, is that the times were not as politically polarized back then as they are today and Republicans actually played leading roles in crafting the decision. Roe v. Wade was then upheld in the Planned Parenthood v. Casey dispute in 1992 by a much more bitter vote. That was five to four. Some of us as individuals find abortion offensive to our most basic principles of morality, but that can't control our decision. We reaffirm the constitutionally protected liberty of the woman to decide to have an abortion before the fetus attains viability, and to obtain it without undue interference from the state. That was Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman on the Supreme Court, reading portions of her opinion from the bench. But that decision nearly 30 years ago, of course, was not the end of the matter. And this wouldn't be a political podcast if we didn't talk about political polling on this issue. A majority of Americans support Roe v. Wade being upheld, about 60% while 27% say it should be overturned. That's according to a recent ABC News Washington Post poll. Still, strong opposition to Roe v. Wade lingers. States continue to pass anti-abortion laws, and those laws are continually challenged. We're going to talk now about the two cases before the Supreme Court that could give states the power to restrict, even completely outlaw abortions. We start with Texas. On September 1st, Texas Senate Bill 8 went into effect. The law bans abortions once a heartbeat can be detected, which can be as early as six weeks of pregnancy. That is extremely early. Many women don't even know they're pregnant at the six-week point. It also made no exception for survivors of rape or incest. 
This law has essentially stopped abortions in Texas and forced women to go across state lines to try to end any unwanted pregnancy. And make no mistake, this Texas law directly contradicts the constitutional right guaranteed by Roe v. Wade. So how are the challengers trying to get the Supreme Court to block this law? Here was U.S. Solicitor General Elizabeth Prelager in her opening remarks to the court at the beginning of the month. Texas designed SB 8 to thwart the supremacy of federal law and open defiance of our constitutional structure. And here's why she thinks the law defies the Constitution. She referred to the fact that the law was written to shield state officials from lawsuit while allowing private citizens from anywhere, not just Texas, to sue any person who helps a woman get an abortion after the six-week mark. The challengers counter that state officials should not be able to insulate themselves from lawsuit. The most pernicious thing about the Texas law, it sort of creates a vigilante system. And it just seems, I know this sounds ridiculous, almost un-American. The court heard two challenges to the law on November 1st, one from the abortion providers and one from the U.S. Justice Department. We thought we might have gotten a decision by now because the Supreme Court put the briefing and oral arguments on a fast track and because women in Texas have been without the right to abortion for nearly three months now. When questioning the Texas Solicitor General, Judd Stone, during oral arguments earlier this month, Justice Elena Kagan spoke directly to the very real effects of this abortion ban. Justice Kagan is one of the three remaining liberal justices. The actual provisions in this law have prevented every woman in Texas from exercising a constitutional right as declared by this court. That, that's, that's just not a hypothetical. That's an actual. A majority of justices, including conservatives, expressed skepticism during oral arguments about the law. However, their doubt wasn't focused on the right to abortion. Some of the justices were worried about the domino effect this law could have on states. One was Justice Brett Kavanaugh. It could be free speech rights. It could be free exercise of religion rights. It could be Second Amendment rights. If this position is accepted here, it can be easily replicated in other states that disfavor uh, other constitutional rights. His comments and the remarks of other conservatives skeptical of this law do not give us a full picture of where a majority might stand on the actual issue that's at hand. What will become of a woman's constitutional right to abortion? That's where the Mississippi case comes in. The justices will hear oral arguments on December 1st in a case that's already positioned to be one of the highest profile this term, a direct challenge to Roe v. Wade. The case, called Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, is a challenge to a Mississippi law that bans most abortions after the 15th week of pregnancy, except in cases of medical emergencies or fetal abnormalities. Mississippi has asked the justices to overrule Roe and the court's 1992 decision in Planned Parenthood v. Casey that reaffirmed Roe the new case dates to 2018, when the Republican-led state legislature in Mississippi passed the Gestational Age Act. The law never went into effect because it was immediately challenged. Jackson Women's Health Organization, the only licensed abortion facility in the state, challenged the law's constitutionality and asked lower court judges to block its enforcement. So far, the health organization has won, but the state appealed to the Supreme Court, and the question now that the court will answer is whether all pre-viability bans on elective abortions violate the Constitution. Now, that sounds like it was settled by Roe v. Wade, 
and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Why does Mississippi think it has a chance of overturning the law of the land now? Well, today's Supreme Court makeup is far more conservative, with three Trump-appointed justices serving. Anti-abortion advocates think they have the best chance ever of getting Roe v. Wade overturned. Professor Julia Mahoney spoke during a webinar discussion last week with the Federalist Society. She's a law professor at the University of Virginia, and she suggests Mississippi has a good chance of winning this case. But if not, she said, it won't be the end of challenges to come. Take a listen. On the horizon are challenges to abortion laws that are grounded in the conviction that at some point in pregnancy, the fetus becomes a person for some constitutional purposes. And the moral force of at least some of these arguments is likely to resonate, I think anyway, with a significant portion and maybe even the majority of the U.S. electorate. A final decision is not expected from the court until next summer, in 2022, just in time for all the campaigning around the midterm elections. Now, there's a separate political fight brewing related to the Supreme Court, triggered by hot-button issues like abortion. Some critics argue that the court is becoming so politicized it should be fundamentally transformed, possibly to even add more seats and counteract the conservative imbalance. That's why President Joe Biden created a commission of more than 30 legal experts to explore issues related to the court, like its case selection practices, term limits, and of course, the controversial court packing issue. Court packing refers to adding more justices to the bench in an attempt to change the ideological makeup of the court. The commission was created in April, and a draft of its findings so far were released in October. We did an episode on those findings on October 15th, if you want more information on that. But on court packing specifically, the draft we have noted that Congress has broad power to add or subtract the number of justices on the court. But the commission also said that, you know, it was pretty divided on whether court expansion would even be a wise idea. The final report is expected soon, and it will be interesting to see if its findings spark action on any front. I interviewed Justice Stephen Breyer recently on a range of topics. Listen to what he had to say about the commission and its mission. Before people make major changes in the court, I would like them to read or otherwise understand what I've written and to think about it pretty deeply. It's an institution that, fallible though it is, over time has served this country pretty well. Breyer's overall message has been something of a tough sell as the nation has grown more polarized and the high court itself has been increasingly riven along political lines. But as he says in a new book, controversy over the Supreme Court is as old as the court itself. Whatever happens at the Supreme Court in upcoming months, it will affect abortion rights, gun rights, and much more for all Americans. And that is certain to shake up the elections and drive people to the polls one way or another. That's it for today's political briefing. Thanks so much for listening. And please take a moment and be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. CNN Political Briefing is a product of CNN Audio. Megan Marcus is our executive producer. Greg Peppers is our supervising producer. Mohammed Darwish is our senior producer. Our episodes are produced by Krista Bowe and Taylor Galgano. We'll be back Monday. Enjoy your holiday weekend.